Hello and welcome back to the Firestarters Podcast. I am Colin, here with Joe. What I do? Today, we have the AFC Overview. Let's chop it up. Welcome to episode 6 of the Firestarters Podcast. It is Thursday, August 26th at 8.28 p.m. Joe, what is cracking? I think we got some juicy news this week. We got we got some some quarterback battles that have been won, some that shouldn't have been battles in the first place. We've got COVID issues as usual, and we got a pretty significant injury that that happened. So just right off the jump, the news and notes, man. So Trevor Lawrence, Teddy Bridgewater have been named starting quarterbacks for their respective teams. I don't think we were expecting Minshew to beat Lawrence out in Jacksonville. And I'm kind of sad Drew Locke didn't win over Teddy Bridgewater. Uh, but it is nice to know that Drew Locke has clearly improved from last year to even be able to battle Teddy for that starting job. So that's what we got there. Uh, the Titans have a COVID issue, which seems to have rolled over from the 2020 season. Uh, Tannehill has tested positive. He's the ninth player or coach test positive. They also had a positive test on head coach Mike Vrabel last month. Um, so it's it'll be interesting to see what goes on in Tennessee. Cam Newton also had a little bit of an issue with COVID protocol. So we'll see what that yields. And then I think the biggest thing was uh, the injury to Travis Etienne. Uh, which landed him on IR for the entire season. Trevor should not have been in a quarterback battle in the first place. We nope. can get that straight. I don't know what's going on with Urban Meyer. Ooh, He's like, hey. oh, yeah, we're going to have this quarterback battle between Trevor and Gardner Minshew. But we, we all knew Trevor was going to start since the end of last season when the Jags got the number one pick. Yep. Teddy will – I so Drew Locke – only started one preseason game in his career. So I don't understand, like, the developmental plan that the Broncos had with Drew Locke, but he doesn't get the chance to start this season. I think that bodes well for some of the fantasy guys, and we'll talk about that later with Teddy Bridgewater. Um, the Titans just uh, – there's a lot of things that have been going wrong with COVID since they aren't doing daily testing this season so when they do test there it seems like there's a lot more players that are getting dinged for it as opposed to last year where you're getting daily tested so you're a lot more careful and and stuff like that so it seems like we're getting more and more covid issues now that the nfl is a little more lax on it and that kind of follows cam newton where he tried to get a t- a test outside of the facility, I believe. For what reason? Right, and so <laughs> I mean, he got he got dinged for that, and then he was out five days. And Mac Jones is going crazy in practice. Well, we'll we'll cover that for yeah. sure. Yeah, and then Etn going down with the list, Frank, where it was like, oh, maybe if it's minor, he'll be back in like five weeks. 
but then we got the news that it's it's bad enough where he's going to be on season-ending IR, and that's really unfortunate. But it's going to be big ups for James Robinson. Yeah, the, the, the truthers will be coming out of the woodworks to <laughs> to preach their gospel. So, yeah, I am one of those truthers. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, do you just want to start there with the Jaguars then? Yeah, that that works for me. Um, we'll jump right into the AFC South. Uh, one of the more talked about teams so far this offseason, the Jaguars. They made some additions with Marvin Jones and ETN through the draft, as well as Trevor Lawrence. Unfortunately, we won't be able to see that Clemson connection. But with James Robinson now getting the lion's share of the load in that backfield, we're looking at a similar situation to last year and then plus Trevor Lawrence. So we get to see if Trevor can overcome the hurdles that the guys starting at quarterback for the Jags last year, like Minshew and Luton and whoever else took snaps could, could not overcome. So we'll see what Trevor is kind of made of. He's hasn't looked great in preseason so far, but that's due to their three best O-linemen being injured. Uh, it sounds like they're going to be back for week one. And so hopefully that bodes well for him and he'll be able to kind of survive without having to run around a whole bunch and not have like a Burrow-esque rookie year. Yeah, I think that's the biggest concern for these young quarterbacks is putting them behind a stable offensive line where they can focus on being a quarterback and not running for their life which was the issue with Joe Burrow last year Um, I'm looking at Minshew's numbers through the first seven weeks last year and they're actually pretty respectable from a fantasy standpoint so I mean if if you're seeing the same about 40, 42 attempts that Minshew is getting during that time, and if Trevor's getting it, I mean, if Trevor won the job, he's got to be a better quarterback. So I think you would see overall production of the team be better. I know you've got guys like LaVisca Chenault, DJ Chark. These guys are projected to have close to breakout years and I think if Trevor being the chosen one is doing chosen one things, I think Jacksonville is going to have a bright future, but the only thing that's weighing him down is Urban Meyer, where now you're getting reports that there are multiple people in the locker room that are not happy with him already. And it's, we're not even through the preseason. They haven't even taken a regular season snap. So this is something. Who could have seen that coming? Yeah, you, you, it's it's all it's almost like we have mentioned it before, haven't yeah, we? Right. So that's my main concern for this team. I don't think, from a football standpoint, this team's gonna have any issues. The skill positions are pretty good. Um, I mean, the defense—you don't have much, but I think Josh developing... Allen and a bunch of guys. Yeah, I mean, you're looking at developing your offense first and then your defense second in this case so 
it is what it is. They're probably going to be pretty bad. Can't see them winning many games. But from a fantasy perspective, I think there are pieces that you want to target and you can target and get value from, from this team. Yeah, I kind of want to talk about the fantasy pieces that are on this offense. Obviously, James Robinson's going to have a similar role that he did last year. You can't expect him to get the same volume that he had last year just based on them having Carlos Hyde and Urban Meyer being the head coach. And (laughs) Urban Meyer likes Carlos Hyde, so he's going to get touches. And Hyde is kind of like the fantasy Grim Reaper where he'll just like take a couple touchdowns here and there where it's really inconvenient. It reminds me of like a Frank Gore type of guy. A guy that's just hanging around. And then, yeah, well, all of a sudden, for some reason, he's getting 13 carries in a game just randomly. (laughs) And it's like, oh, there's the Carlos Hyde game. There's the Frank Gore game. Uh, But the receivers... Chark, Chenault, and Marvin Jones are really what I'm looking at here because Marvin Jones has actually emerged as a top target for Trevor during this preseason. And it seems like he trusts him to run those kind of short and intermediate routes. Um, But the player I'm kind of focused on is LaVisca Chenault because everybody kind of expects him to have this breakout second year. And then ETN goes down. And ETN was kind of seen as this short route screens underneath and a, a receiver. And so we'll see if if James Robinson is the main beneficiary or if LaVisca actually takes a lot of that load rather than, like, James Robinson. So uh, Trevor in college was a very like quick decision maker he had a 2.34 average time to throw and then he also was 53rd in depth of target so he throws quick and he throws short so that's why i'm thinking that lavisca will be like the main beneficiary from this etn injury just because outside of the rushing obviously he'll be getting those targets in the short game because Carlos Hyde isn't that good of a receiver. James Robinson can catch the ball, but I think LaVisca is going to be that guy. I, I agree. I think, I think it's easier to, to what, I mean, the way that they've been describing what ETN's role in the offense would be, I think it's easier to allocate more of that to LaVisca than try to have James Robinson doing all of this at once or moving James Robinson into that role and then moving Carlos Hyde into the featured back role type of thing. So I think you could even see LaVisca get some rushing attempts in the offense. I think they'll get creative. He's that sort of gadget player and I wouldn't put him over Chark from a fantasy production standpoint but i do think he's interesting to see how they incorporate into the offense yeah i actually could see marvin jones if he's healthy i wouldn't be surprised if at the end of the season we were looking at him being their leading guy in terms of receptions that's fair just because of the rapport that i've seen them 
kind of develop so far and it doesn't I, I don't know if him and Chark have that same connection but it seems like Trevor trusts Marvin Jones so we'll see obviously Chark seems like he he could be due for a breakout as well is do we know if Chark's even practicing yet after having the finger surgery I am not sure so that that right there could be what pushes Marvin Jones atop of him in the depth chart just because Trevor's got him around simply to be that guy right now, even though down the road, Chark's probably the more talented receiver at this point in both of their careers. Right. Do you want to move on to a different AFC South team? Yeah, go ahead. Who are we looking at? All right. Uh, So we'll switch to the top of that division, the team that finished first last year, the Tennessee Titans. I see a lot of fade julio talk that's me and i don't I mean, know been, i don't know why julio's being disrespected i've been fading julio for like <laughs> three years okay so the titans have a quote-unquote three-headed monster with oh, yeah. aj brown julio jones and derrick henry uh aj brown went pretty nuts last year and he was playing alongside Corey Davis. So I'm really, really looking forward to seeing what he can do with Julio pulling coverage away from him. But Julio also is one of the best receivers in this decade. And he missed seven games last year due to a lingering hamstring strain that he got week one yeah yeah so he strained it missed a game aggravated the strain missed a game aggravated the strain missed a game aggravated the strain and missed the last four games so the hammy is a bad thing it's always a bad thing and so whenever you see somebody get a hammy injury take it and really think oh that sucks this guy's got a hamstring injury it doesn't go away in season and everybody's always hurt during the season but hammies are especially bad and that hampered julio all year last year despite that every time julio played a full game he scored more than 15 fantasy points and the one game he didn't i think he had like four but i i don't see how he doesn't have at least a wide receiver two floor with wide receiver one upside in this potent offense with this play action heavy Derrick Henry centric approach just because Julio's never had a run game like this and he's he doesn't have I guess he had Calvin Ridley but it's not the same kind of threat as AJ Brown if you know what I'm saying yeah yeah, this offense, I think, is going to be really good for Julio. Uh, Ryan Tannehill, the last, I don't know if it's the last two years, but for sure last year, has the highest average depth of target. So this all carries off of Derrick Henry just because he is so good. <laughs> I mean, he's so dynamic, and I, I think he'll still be producing at that high level this year that once you start clicking on play action 
if you got one-on-one on the outsides and someone bites, loses half a step, you're going to have Julio and A.J. Brown on both sides just going. <laughs> and Tannehill's just going to be able to pick a side of the field and send the ball. So I think... I don't know what Julio's ADP is looking at right now, but if this guy is hanging around even in the third round and you can snatch him up as your wide receiver one and combo that with two dynamic backs or like a guy like Devontae Adams as your wide receiver one, he would be in fantastic shape. I think Julio is being slept on a lot this year. And he's always a guy that plays as... With plays <laughs> that plays with those, like, oh, he's got like a tweaked ankle or something weird like that, but he's always on the field. And having that attitude with the hamstring last year, I think it left a bad taste in a lot of people's mouths that it was, oh, Julio, Julio's injury prone, Julio can't stay on the field type of thing. But if outside of a hamstring, I mean, Unless it's a groin, that's like the only other thing that you don't want to mess with. If it's an ankle, if it's like a rib or something like that. I mean, he's going to be fine. He's going to be out there. And he has a chance this year to get right back into that top 10 wide receiver. uh, Top 15 for sure. And like you said, the floor being wide receiver too, I think that's that's a lock. I mean, this is going to be a guy that's... He he t- is arguably the best wide receiver of the last decade. Yeah. So and speaking of his like durability, he's played more than fourteen games every year since twenty fourteen. Outside of last year, obviously. Yeah. And he's had no major injuries. He's just been, like you said, dinged up. And so I I would be definitely buying in. He's being taken as the sixteenth wide receiver in redraft according to fantasy pros okay so that's that's really good value if you're picking julio as the 16th receiver i mean yeah i'd be i'd be hammering that as your because that's probably your second wide receiver that you're getting off the board so that exactly as as your wide receiver too and you pair him with like a stefan Diggs, that would be that's what i'm saying and if you're looking at this from a dfs standpoint the discount on Julio right now compared to those other top end wide receivers is like on FanDuel, it's like a thousand dollars. Wow. So it's like you're that's the difference between Dalvin to CMC. That's the difference between a rookie wide receiver like Rondale Moore at your flex and James Robinson type of thing. Right. So from a roster construction standpoint, Julio is looking like a week one smash in DFS. Yeah, and then from like a dynasty perspective, it's kind of weird because he is 32. But I I did a little bit of looking around, and according to Fantasy Pros, 35% of wide receivers aged 32 to 34 actually finish as wide receiver twos at worst, which is the highest percentage of age groups. Like, do do you know what I'm saying there? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and it's just it kind of it surprised me because you, you would think that 26, 27, 28 range would be where these guys are finishing as wide receiver one and twos, but it actually turns out that as they age, 
seems like they get better? I would think it goes down to being established, being the safe guy, the security blanket for these quarterbacks, especially a guy Julio was in Atlanta for so long with Matt Ryan. That rapport was so good. So granted, he's going to be in a new situation with Tannehill, but when you're that talented and you can catch the ball no matter where it's thrown to you and you've got a guy that can spread it downfield, I like it. Yeah. Uh, speaking of talent and catching the ball, we can move on to the Colts' backfield with Jonathan Taylor heading in. Um, I I was wondering with their situation with Wentz, since he's been so injury-prone and he already has been injured this season, can this running game sustain them? Is their running back by committee, Jonathan Taylor – Marlon Mack, Naheem Hines, and whoever else they decide to throw in, can they make this team as competitive as they were last year and as good as they were last year? So last year they outrushed opposing teams by 550 yards. They had two more minutes in time of possession total, and they were plus 10 in turnovers. That was as the 10th rushing team in the league in terms of attempts. So they have the second-rated offensive line, according to PFF, and it seems like they are going to run more this year, I would imagine. Their wide receivers aren't that good. I mean, they have Michael Pittman, they have T.Y., and they have Paris Campbell, but that's not the best group of receivers in the league, and they have extraordinarily good running back talent. When it comes to JT, Naheem Hines especially, we'll see about Marlon Mack coming off the Achilles, but I I could really see the running game carrying the Colts this season. Yeah, everything's pointing right now for Carson Wentz to start week one. Um, I think it's looking like Quentin Nelson will also be starting week one. Big so, part of that second-ranked O-line. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so he almost might be more important than <laughs> make sure Carson Wentz is out there. Cause, yeah, that's true. I mean, Jonathan Taylor is dynamic. He is good, whether he's catching something out of the backfield or if he's getting the ball between the tackles. He is such a dynamic player, and his usage is going to be so high for this team, I think. I, I can't see them preaching the committee. I mean, he's such a good talent. There's you, you want your talented guys to get the ball. <laughs> so it's like you got to give Jonathan Taylor the ball as much as he can. It sounds like you're grabbing Frank Reich by the shoulders and, like, shaking <laughs> him, like, give him the ball. <laughs> it's like, just do it. And like you said, yeah, I mean, Michael Pittman's probably the best receiver on this roster. It's a team that likes to incorporate their tight end a lot, but they don't have that top-end tight end on the roster. Uh, Mo Cox, I think Jack Doyle's still around, and last year they even had Trey Burton, and they kind of had a three-headed tight end monster that they used. <laughs> so, I mean, if you, if you had that premier tight end on this team, whether you had Wentz behind center or not, I think that would benefit everything 
like all together, I think you'd be looking at a sort of similar offense to the Ravens where they lean on Mark Andrews so much, but they have such a dynamic running game that they're able to move the ball and stay on the field and sustain these long drives. And especially if once this team gets a lead, they're going to keep pounding it. And that's where you could see the committee come in. That's where you could see the guys like Marlon Mack keep pushing like on a third down or something like that, keep pushing the chains. And I think this team's going to be good again. I think they'll be challenging the Colts for the division. And The Titans, challenging the Titans. Titans, they are the Colts. Yeah, there you go. Good call. But, yeah, that's, that's – I agree. Yeah, I th- – I think their their defense is going to be better this year as well. They added Quiddy Pay in the draft. Uh, DeForest Buckner is still really good. Oh yeah. Um, Darius Leonard was banged up last year. Uh, they lost Walker in free agency, but Bobby Okereke can fill that spot. We got Zach Pascal is somebody I forgot who was a uh, UDFA that was really good for them last year somebody that might be worth keeping an eye on in fantasy just because he'll probably end up being the wide receiver two in this offense, especially if Wentz is the quarterback and T.Y. keeps tailing off the way Mm -hmm. he has been because it seems like Pittman is going to be the lead guy. That's what people are expecting. That's that's what I'm thinking. Right, and then Pascal will probably end up being the number two guy they do have Jack Doyle and Mo Ali Cox and then Kylan Granson after that. So you could probably keep an eye on Doyle and Mo Ali Cox as kind of the main tight ends. Maybe like your your streaming tight end so you can pick up off waivers. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, I I think they're gonna be just pounding the rock because this defense can be stifling and then this offense can be overwhelming. Yeah, two. I signed a one-year contract this offen this off this off season to return to the Colts. So, it, yeah, from a dynasty perspective, you're looking at the younger guys of Paris Campbell, Zach Pascal, and then of course Michael Pittman to lead this receiving core. And yeah, like you said, with the tight end, I mean, it's it's kind of hard to tell who the best option would be if you're trying to stream one. But if you get the right one, you could get the guy like Trey Burton had some games last year. We like rushed for two touchdowns. <laughs> it was like, why? But I like to get him involved. And this offense with Jonathan Taylor is going to be good. Yeah. You want to talk about an offense that's not going to be good. We can move on to the Houston Texans. Uh so it's it's looking like Tyrod Taylor is going to be the starting quarterback this year. Are we sure? Uh, no. Because, <laughs> no. <laughs> like, I I haven't seen anything at all about between him so, and Davis Mills. <laughs> I just know I was, Watson's practicing on, on, a, on a separate field alone. He's, he's, he's that kid throwing the ball against the wall back to himself. <laughs> He's like, he's, did you see the the clip of Tom Brady throwing the ball into the jugs machine? <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> now the Texans probably don't even give him a jugs machine. No. Nah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it, it's looking like Tyrod will probably be the starter. Davis Mills did 
not look very polished uh, in his preseason games. <laughs> I'm still thinking about Deshaun throwing the ball against the wall. Just got his hood up. Just, just it. Why are you filming me? It's the same thing every day. <laughs> it's just, just throw this ball at the wall over and over. <laughs> uh, just like a big brick wall. <laughs> just go straight. <laughs> anyway. Uh, anyway. So yeah, Mills didn't look that great in preseason. So I, it looks like it's Tyrod's job this year, and it'll be his first time starting. Well starting hopefully a full season since he was with the Bills. And his his 2015 season with the Bills was his best season, and he supported one fantasy receiver. Is that Robert Woods? It was Sammy Watkins. Sammy Watkins. Yep. Uh, Robert Woods was actually the wide receiver 65 with Tyrod in 2015. Uh, Sammy Watkins was wide receiver 16. Uh, 19 in PPR. He had 1,047 yards receiving and nine touchdowns. Wow. So that was, he was healthy a big, for a year, huh? Yep, I think 14 <laughs> games. <laughs> Mostly, it was his second year in the league. So his hamstrings still work. Um, but yeah, I I was wondering like who can be relevant in this Texans offense? Like who should you target in those late rounds as like a wide receiver upside play and i know there's not a whole lot of upside in houston but if if tyrod can even sustain one guy i'm assuming it's going to be brandon cooks and that's that's just because out of the seven years he's been in the league five of them he's hit a thousand yards uh he's the most talented receiver on this roster he doesn't have a lot of competition. I mean, because we mentioned it before, he has Kiki Cutie and Nico Collins are the other guys on this roster. So I, I assume Brandon Cooks is the guy you want to target. Not really a guy you want to have, but like in a redraft, if it's late, take your shot, take Brandon Cooks. It could be big upside if he's Tyrod's guy throughout the season because they're going to suck. They're going to throw the ball a lot. So, there might be an opportunity for value there. There's going to be zero production from this running back room. David Johnson has fallen off a cliff. Uh, I don't know why they don't commit to Phil Lindsay as just a full-time guy. They want to run a committee. Mark Ingram's past his prime. So, don't touch anybody in this backfield. Don't touch Tyrod. Taylor, <laughs> you don't want him either, um, unless you're in an extremely deep league or you're in like a super flex league and you want that third quarterback that's probably relatively secured starter. I would avoid this team at all costs. You don't want to touch their defense in a redraft. Like you said, Brandon Cooks is probably the only viable player if you need like a fifth wide receiver in redraft. Yes. That's what I'm saying. Like go a late, ahead, late yeah. throw is yeah. Brandon Cooks. Other than that, they don't. Texans are bad. Just don't 
touch him. No. Ugh. Con- contrary to what you're saying, running back Philip Lindsay calls Texans offense a running back's dream. It's a nightmare. <laughs> don't 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 fool yourself. Don't find your way to get out of there, Phil. Just yeah, the, the, Phil should lead this backfield at some point, uh, but it, it definitely just stay away. Everybody, stay away, please. But they'll probably get the number one pick after this season. They'll mess it up. I don't know if they traded away that first for like Laramie Tunsil. But if they didn't, then they might have a quarterback after this year. And then he could be in a quarterback competition with Deshaun Watson. Yeah, that, I, we still don't know what's going on with that. We're probably not going to have any clarity on that for the entire season. They'll throw him on the commissioner's exempt list, treat him as a. A DNP, yeah. Every single game, and yep. just try to avoid another black eye on the NFL. Exactly. You want to move on to the AFC East? <laughs> yes, please. Let's talk about a team that's got <laughs> a little more potential in the Buffalo Bills, who thank God are Super Bowl contenders this year. Josh Allen. Blew up last year. He became a premier quarterback in the league. And earlier this month, signed a big extension. Six years, $258 million. And I think that extension could lead to us finally seeing some production in this Bills backfield. Mm. So they've got Josh Allen locked in for six years. They're going to want to commit to him. They're going to want to avoid him taking hits. And last year, he had 102 rushing attempts for 421 yards, eight touchdowns. He's like 10th all-time in rushing touchdowns for quarterbacks. He has got 25 in the last three years. And compared to his two running backs, Devin Singletary last year had 152 attempts. Zach Moss had 112 attempts, and they combined for six touchdowns. So, like, Zach Moss only seen double-digit carries four times, and Devin Singletary has only rushed for 100 yards once, and that was in 2019 before Zach Moss was there. Uh, This team designed several quarterback runs against the Colts in the playoffs last year, and they are really successful, but... You want to avoid putting Josh Allen at risk at all costs. If this guy is going to become the top two, top three quarterback in the league, if he already is, you want to keep him in the pocket, keep him throwing the ball, which he now has proved that he can do, and don't put him at risk. Use these running backs. Together... Zach Moss, last year, averaged a 4.2 yards per carry. Devin Singletary, 4.77 in his two years. And it's not like they're bad backs. They just don't, they're not given the opportunity. And so whether you want to run them as the tandem still or give an edge to one of them, I think that you'll see more rushing out of the backs this year than you will see from Josh Allen. I hope that they can protect josh allen from himself 
because Josh doesn't like to slide and he doesn't like to go out of bounds. He wants to get all the yards he can. He hurdled Anthony Barr. <laughs> like it's it, you you need to tell him, "Hey, we're going to let Zach Moss truck people. We're going to let Devin Singletary get 20 carries. Please stop. We <laughs> just put this like $250 million price tag on you. We don't want to crash the car, okay? We don't want anything to happen with Josh Allen like what happened with Cam Newton because that is kind of – a, a worst case scenario where he's this MVP caliber and then he just gets beat to hell because he's big and strong and he can win those one-on-ones with people as can Josh Allen so he does but as a quarterback you need to keep your body healthy and safe as Tom Brady has taught us as Peyton Manning has taught us as Russell Wilson teaches us like slide get out of bounds don't be Cam Newton. Don't be RG3. Because that's just a recipe for shortening your career. Lamar Jackson is great at avoiding hits. Like, he might not be sliding and getting out of bounds, but you never see Lamar get licked. Yeah, he's, he runs similar to how Michael Vick ran. Right. In the way that they, they're they not going to try to truck a guy. They're not going to try to jump over a guy. I mean... Granted, they're not going to slide, but they're still going to fall forward. It's something you see. I noticed a lot with Devontae Adams making a catch in space. And if he notices guys are around him, like he'll just go to the ground rather than taking the hit. Right. You'll just dive forward. You get get those yards, but you don't take the risk. Yeah, exactly. And if the guy wants to come and hit you while you're on the ground, (laughs) you get another 15 yards. Exactly. Type of thing, so yeah, it, it, this Bills team is gonna be fun. It's gonna be really I, fun. Absolutely, and the thing is, I I hope that they kind of lean more on the run. I feel the same way about Kansas City, that they should lean more on the run to protect Mahomes. We'll get to them later, but Josh Allen had 102 carries. Zach Moss had 112. Yeah, like it's they're neck and neck in carries, and it shouldn't be that way. If you're planning on the long term with Josh Allen, yeah. So you would hope to see that touchdown regression by Josh Allen go toward guys like Zach Moss. Zach Moss had only four touchdowns last year. Granted, he wasn't very good in the red zone. He had 28 carries in the red zone, which was 25th in the league. But this offense is going to move it up and down the field. They're going to be inside the red zone. Just give it to them. And it sounds like Devin Singletary is kind of the odd man out in both of our you know, yeah. attitudes toward this team. But protect the guy. He's going to be good for a long time. Absolutely. Another guy that I'm hoping is going to be good for a long time. Uh, Tua in this division. And they kind of jumped off the page last year, the Dolphins did. And I, I still am trying to grasp where I can see this team being in the bigger picture of the AFC. Um, and I've come to the conclusion that I, I think they're going to be worse than they were last year. I think they'll take a step back. 
and I, I don't see them really as a playoff team. But from a fantasy perspective, I there are pieces on this team in this offense that you still want to target. Tua has looked pretty good so far this preseason. We've said it before. He's got the keys to the car now. He doesn't have Fitzmagic looking over his shoulder. He's got Jacoby Brissett looking over his shoulder, which I don't think he needs to worry about. And you got three really good skill position wide receivers out there in Jalen Waddell, got Devontae Parker. You've got Will Fuller, who is suspended for the first game, but he'll be back. I don't know who else is on this depth chart. Preston Williams, he's still around. Yeah. Uh, there's one more name I'm forgetting. Jakeem Grant. Albert Wilson. Albert Wilson. But anyways, I, th- I think the Dolphins' offense will be improved from last year. The defense, I don't know. And I think that's what will probably put them more in the middle of the AFC. I don't see them competing with the Bills for this division. And kind of kind of feels like a wishy-washy team, but there are guys that you can target in redraft right off the jump that are going to be productive. Uh, they haven't committed to Gaskin at running back, which I think is a mistake. He's better than Malcolm Brown, better than Dokes. And last year he was really good down the stretch. He was like, he was arguably a league winner down the stretch. If you picked him up, I wouldn't say arguably. That that man won a lot of fantasy games for a lot of people off the wire. Yeah. So, I mean, Savan Ahmed, Ahmed, Ahmed. He's he's a talent too. So I would focus everything between these two. But. Well, it's kind of something that I want to see again it's before we really, you know, start poking pins in it, you know. Yeah, I I like the way Tua's looked. He's been really efficient in in his passing. Kind of kind of breeze-esque I've said before, mm-hmm. where he's taking the the first open read, which he was struggling with last season where he would see his first read and if that broke down, he would get antsy and want to either get out of the pocket or run. And that's when he would take sacks or just throw incompletions because he was just a little too skittish in the pocket. Mm-hmm. But he seems so much more poised this season, well, so far in the preseason, I guess, where he's taking his first, second read, if they're not there, dump to Gaskin and let let him do the work. Or first second read wait on the second read till it gets to the second window and loft it over the top and he seems like he has such better control of the offense so much like more poise and confidence so i think giving him the keys to the car has really proven to be a a good idea for them because he he could be really good he won't be a big like yards per attempt guy Mm -mm. where he's pushing it downfield but giving it to guys like Jalen Waddell and Gaskin and Will Fuller and letting them make plays is is going to be really good for them in fantasy and will definitely be a positive influence on Tua's stock Uh, and then I think the last thing on Tua is going to be what his mobility looks like this year uh 
how that hip's feeling, how he's moving, like what his torque looks like throwing the ball and all that. So I wouldn't, you know, push Tua down to like your backup quarterback. Like I would feel safe taking Tua as a starting quarterback in a redraft league. Um, okay. But other than that, I don't know if you're really looking at bona fide starters from this team that you'd want to target redraft. Yeah, it seems like Will Fuller is kind of the guy at his ADP that you might want to target just because he's fallen down so much based on the injury and the suspension and his injury history. So there's a chance if he stays healthy, big air quotes, that he can be a guy that is extremely productive because on like a per-game basis, Will Fuller is one of the best fantasy wide receivers you can have. Mm-hmm. But that I say per game because he doesn't play. Mm, a he lot doesn't of make games. it through. Yeah, he, <laughs> not one to make it through the full season, but he is one to go off for 185 yards and three touchdowns <laughs> randomly. Exactly. So, well, I I don't know how to transition to this next team, but <laughs> it's the Patriots. <laughs> and for starters, have you noticed that Mac is Cam backwards? <laughs> I I mean I haven't put any thought into it, but <laughs> I, I, yeah, I, so, I I see that now. They're like alternate universes of each other. Mac Jones. Is really good in the pocket and extremely accurate. And Cam Newton is bad in the pocket and really inaccurate. So, what I'm what I've been thinking of this entire time about this team is, who's going to benefit most from Mac Jones starting over Cam Newton? And I came to the conclusion that it's literally everyone but Cam Newton. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, looking at the Patriots. Mac Jones is inevitably going to become your starter. Why beat around the bush? He gives you the best chance to win. He gives you the ability to play how you want to play, how you used to be able to play with Brady. You can throw the ball. You've got two really good tight ends now. You've got young receivers that are capable of making plays. And you've got a pretty good running back. This guy, Mac Jones, is just like a completion monster. August 25th, he was... 35 for 40 on completions against the Giants' starting defense, reeling off 18 consecutive throws. On the 19th versus the Eagles, he was 13 for 19, 146 yards, led drives of 91, 70, and 75, all for points. Earlier that week, he was 13 for 14 versus the backups, and then in their first preseason game against Washington, 13 for 19 again for 87 yards. You know what Cam Newton did as a quarterback last year? He had less passing yards than their punter had punting yards. Cam Newton only had 2,657 passing yards. Their punter punted for 2,678 yards. That's awful. That kind of says two things about Cam because it's that he's not pushing the ball and that they're getting a lot of three and outs. (laughs) 
yeah, he had his, his completion percentage was 65%, and he only passed for eight touchdowns. So, I mean, guys like Jacoby Myers, Hunter Henry, Jonu Smith, they're all going to benefit with Mac Jones under center, strictly off of completion percentage. And then Damian Harris, he had some really good games last year. He had double-digit carries in 9 of 10 games. He had 5 yards per carry, but then he only had two touchdowns. He was he had 19% of the red zone attempts. He had 11% of the red zone attempts from within the 5. Cam Newton, on the other hand, had 42 rushing attempts in the red zone, which was 10th in the league. He had 12 touchdowns, and he commanded 63% of the red zone rushing attempts. 73 red zone attempts from within the five. 73% of the red zone attempts from within the five-yard line. So if Mac Jones is under center, you're thinking most of that's going to Damian Harris, Ramondre Stevenson. These guys would see touchdown, positive touchdown regression. I, I don't see him running a QB sneak with Mac Jones like Tom Brady used to love to do. I don't know if that's Mac Jones' thing, you know, but... Again, like, this Patriots offense is not tailored for Cam Newton. It is tailored for Mac Jones. And Mac Jones is going to just make the rest of the team flourish. Cam Newton kind of, when I think about him, it's all summed up in the final play of the Patriots-Seahawks game last year where they're in the red zone and every single person on planet earth that's watching this football game knows it's going to be quarterback power and guess what the seahawks just all out blitzed and he got hit behind the line and that's kind of just the sum of the cam newton patriots experience so the offense will be so much less predictable with mac jones under center especially if he's just churning out completions like he has been as of late. Jacoby Myers benefits. Kendrick Bourne will benefit. Nelson, Nelson Aguilar. Aguilar yeah. He'll benefit. Janu, Hunter Henry. I mean, like you said, it's just he's, he's going to make everybody better. He's going to make a lot more people fantasy relevant. And right now you can get a discount on every single Patriots player because Cam Newton is projected as a week one starter. So you can get Damian Harris late. You can get Jacoby Myers hella late. You can get Janu and Hunter Henry, which are a little sketchy to me because they're the two tight ends, so you don't know which one is going to be which. But it's it's a lot better of a fantasy outlook with Mac Jones under center, and it's a lot better of a football fit with Mac Jones under center. And if you're looking at week one DFS on FanDuel, Mac Jones, if he starts, will be the cheapest starting quarterback on the slate at 6,200, which is pretty good when you want to put Christian McCaffrey and Devontae Adams and Calvin Ridley in lineups. So something to think of, something to pay attention to. All right, I like that. We got a wonderful last team that... (laughs) <laughs> this AFC East, and that is the New York Jets. And I'm just looking at the team. The more you hear about 
they want to go to committee. They don't want to commit to Michael Carter as a full-time running back. They, they're probably going to be throwing the ball a lot. So it's like, who are you going to try to target to pluck out of this offense? I'm still not sold on Zach Wilson. I, I wouldn't take him in a redraft as your starting wide receiver or quarterback. Uh, but the guy that I like the most is Corey Davis. And last year he was a wide receiver 30. He only played 14 games, and he had four really stinky games where he's seen a total of 11 total targets. The way that they've looked so far, he's the de facto number one in this offense. He was four for seven, 70 yards versus the Packers. Uh, Zach Wilson targeted him six of his 11 passes in that game. And I could see him having a similar season to Robbie Anderson last year. I could see him in that wide receiver 15 to 20 range. Uh, I just, he was really good last year in Tennessee. And I think as a number one target in this Jeff's Jets offense, I, I just, I like the volume he's going to be seeing and he's pretty good with the ball and he's sure handed. I mean, what more could you want as a late round wide receiver? He was so good coming out of college, and he was pretty disappointing in Tennessee until last year, and then that warranted this this contract from the Jets, and now he should be the number one guy. The only other person that was generating any hype was Elijah Moore in camp, and then he got dinged up, so we haven't really seen anything out of him, but we have seen a lot out of Corey Davis, and I think he's received 50% of all of Zach Wilson's passes in the preseason. So that that is somebody that you want to be targeting, especially at his ADP, because people are really sleeping on this Jets offense. Might be something to sleep on, but with with Corey Davis, I think this is the guy that you should be targeting. I totally agree. Um, the running backs, like you said, they're gonna probably go by committee. They they can't commit to one. Um, but yeah, I I like I like Zach Wilson, but he has an interesting mentality because in in a recent interview or a press conference I'm not sure but he answered a question about like pushing the ball downfield and getting turnovers and he said well if you're not going to take chances you're not going to get big plays so <laughs> interceptions equal big plays in the end and it, it was captioned Jameis Wilson <laughs> hey <laughs> Are we looking at another guy with that's gonna gonna have a thirty thirty season? <laughs> yeah, I hey, I'll take this offense seven days a week, twice on Sunday, over the Houston Texans offense. <laughs> if if you're if you're yeah. stuck between Brandon Cooks and Corey Davis, you should be slapped because Corey Davis is gonna be way better and has a much safer Elijah floor. Moore. Yeah, even Elijah Moore. Who knows, Jamison Crowder? <laughs> He's still around. Yeah, right. He's yeah. not gone yet. Anyways, now that we covered the East, uh, jump over to the West. Yeah, let's do it. Um, we can just start with the runner-up last year, the Kansas City Chiefs. My my biggest question for them going into this season is who is the third guy? Because you have Kelsey. He got 186 targets last year. God. <laughs> you have Tyreek Hill. He got 166 targets. I didn't last even year. realize that. <laughs> yeah. 
So who was their third guy? Their third guy last year uh, was McCole Hardman. He had 75 targets. And then it goes down, Clyde, DeMar- or Demarcus Robinson, then Clyde, and then Sammy Watkins, who's gone. So looking at it, it's really, for me, between McCole Hardman and Clyde as who's going to be the guy getting the third most targets in the offense. You expect it to be McCole, but he is kind of the same mold as Tyreek. So, I mean, obviously Patrick Mahomes likes that, but I don't know if you're going to have them both on the field at the same time very often. So just based on amount of snaps, I I would expect it to be Clyde. But what are your thoughts about this Kansas City offense and who could be their third target leader this year? I like it being McColl. Uh, but I think it makes more sense being Clyde as a guy that you could probably stretch out wide, have him run more of that intermediate stuff. You'd have him doing that, Kelsey at the second level, and then Tyree Kill always running those fly routes. And then whoever else is going to be running out there, most of the other guys also run fly routes. Like Demarcus Robinson, too, runs a lot of the fly routes. Um, I've seen stuff of Byron Pringle looking good in camp, uh, competing for that wide receiver three role. Uh, I I haven't heard really anything about Demarcus Robinson, so I think he's probably the third guy between Hardman, Pringle, and Robinson from a wide receiver. But I, I think it just makes the most sense of it being Clyde. Uh, he's another guy that... He just brings a different sort of style into the offense. Like you said, that Tyreek and McColl are so similar in their skill set, being just fast guys that run straight. Why not get a little different look, stretching Clyde out wide, and then have him running some of that other stuff. But overall, you mentioned it earlier, I think they should run the ball more in general. <laughs> like Just get the ball into Clyde's hands, take the pressure off Mahomes. We know what he can do now save him for when he has to be the hero and throw the ball like that and just kind of like don't cruise through games but pace a game don't rely on the big play constantly get a lead hold the lead don't you don't have to keep trying to explode and blow teams out granted it's fun and all but we've seen it and all of a sudden, you got to the Super Bowl last year, and something wasn't working, and you didn't have any other options because you couldn't blow out the Buccaneers. Right, and the thing is they have such a improved offensive line in comparison to last year. Uh, they traded for Orlando Brown, which is huge. Um, so it, it seems like they are doing their best to protect Mahomes. And you you want Mahomes to be Mahomes, obviously, because he's the best quarterback in the league. But when it comes down to it, you drafted this guy in the first round, Clyde, and you, you want to use him. You want to get your carries out of him while you have him on this rookie deal, and you have him for cheap. They, they did it with Kareem Hunt when they had him. They used him until he was done with his contract 
and he had some off the field issues too but then they let him go he went to the browns and then they bring in clyde and i can see them doing a similar thing where they can just use them and grind them down have him run some routes he was one of the best college route runners out of the running back position that we've seen in a long time so we'll see but i i hope clyde is is the third guy that's producing in this offense yeah yeah there's another backfield that is interesting in the afc west and and that's the raiders backfield they added Kenyon drake in the offseason josh jacobs was one of kind of the premier guys in fantasy where he had 273 carries for 1065 yards and 12 touchdowns last year which is great production his receiving upside is virtually non-existent now there wasn't much there last year he had 238 receiving yards on 33 catches Kenyon drake (laughs) takes a huge hit when it comes to fantasy production i mean he had 955 rushing yards and 10 touchdowns between Miami and Arizona last year. I I just I don't know why they spent money on a running back when they could have went pass rusher or O line. It's just like I don't understand what the Raiders are doing here. I don't know what Gruden's planning on doing. So what what's going on in this backfield? I don't know. <sighs> I, as some that invested in both Josh Jacobs and Ken Drake last year, thinking that these guys could be, like, pushed into that top ten of running backs, I don't know what went wrong with Josh Jacobs. Because, yeah, he had good touchdowns, equity, but they were concentrated to, like, three or four games it was. And Kenyon Drake was basically a bust last year for the Cardinals because Kyler Murray took most of the red zone rushing attempts. I mean, they, they are good complementary backs, so so that does make yeah. sense. Kenyon Drake is a much better receiving back. He is better in space, where Josh Jacobs is the bruising back going downhill pounding him into the back of the line of scrimmage and getting the extra yardage. But there are two guys that kind of just fell off from that 2019 season, and now you're looking at a committee between the two. I don't know if you're going to see Josh Jacobs be a bell cow or if it's going to be first and second down Josh Jacobs, Kenya Drake third down. Because... You've seen Kenny Drake as the lead back in that first two down roll, and then you've seen Chase Edmonds as the third down back, and Drake was not productive really at all last year in Arizona. So it's, it is a big question, and it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out. Uh, this offense could have some different looks with all these young guys at receiver. Uh, but Darren Waller is the safest thing out of this entire team. Yeah, I was going to ask, like, is Darren Waller the only guy you're comfortable taking in the Raiders offense? 100%. That's, that's the only yeah. guy that you want to... If you're picking a starter from this team or guys that you want... If you're drafting guys that you want to start in your starting lineup and redraft, 
you're taking Waller. He's got tight end one upside. I mean, he could dethrone Kelsey. I don't think it's likely, but just the amount that they force him the ball in this offense. Um, but other than that, you don't really have any established guys, especially from what you've seen from Josh Jacobs last year and Kenyon Drake last year. I don't think you really want to touch the running backs. Their wide receivers haven't had any established seasons between Ruggs and Brian Edwards and Hunter Renfro, I think. John. Hey, John Brown has some has some established well, seasons. Hey, we'll, we'll, we'll get to John Brown a little later. I've got something on him. But if you're looking to target someone, I mean, Derek Carr, respectable quarterback. Again. Yep, later. You can get him later, which is nice. And he's probably going to put up decent stats at least. But, yeah, Darren Waller, like you said, he has the tight end one upside. And he has a tight end one floor. Yeah. Yeah. So just draft Darren Waller and then forget about any other Raiders. That easy. Uh, A a team that you might want to target is the Los Angeles Chargers. Yes, indeed. Uh, the, The biggest question I got about them is can Justin Herbert stay hot? Can he do this again or better? Because last year he was third in pass attempts per game with basically 40 a game. Second in completions a game with around 26 a game. He was sixth in the league in passing yards with a little over 4,300. He won rookie of the year, offensive rookie of the year. Uh, Broke the record for most touchdowns and completions for a rookie quarterback. And he was the only rookie in NFL history with seven consecutive games with two touchdown passes. So he set himself a very high standard last year. Yeah. And so you either we, – we had this episode, the sophomore slump or jump. So we didn't touch on Justin Herbert. We can kind of touch on him now. Do you think he's going to take this second-year jump? Or do you think defenses are going to start scheming for him and are going to kind of figure him out so he takes kind of a slump? I I think it's difficult to say that he could take a jump. You would be skyrocketing into MVP territory just based on the bar he set last year. I think it'll be a step back, but it's not going to be like a slump. I don't think he'll have like a 20 touchdown to like 15 interception season or something like that. I think it's still going to be closer to 30 touchdowns, closer to 10 interceptions, something around that range, just because the amount that they throw the ball Um, again, a team with a weaker defense. So they're probably going to be behind in games, new coach, new system. So I think he's still going to be really good. He's a like premier quarterback asset in Dynasty. He's a very comfortable quarterback to draft and redraft as your starter. And as he goes, this entire team goes, and he sustained two extremely relevant fantasy options. Three, if you count Hunter Henry. I mean, you have Keenan Allen, who was a stud last year with him. Austin Eckler, when he's healthy, he's a stud. And so... Now you're looking at Jared Cook at tight end, streamer option, not really a guy that you want to rely on on redraft, but 
I like this offense. Not too big on the defense. But, yeah, I, I think Herbert's just going to be consistent this year. Yeah, I actually don't hate the defense this year. I mean, they have Joey, who hopefully can stay healthy. I mean, a lot of their defense is predicated on their health because Joey Bosa and Derwin James are kind of the, the engine of this offense, this defense. So yeah. if they can stay on the field, Joey can rush the passer. Derwin can play that star role where he's roaming mm-hmm. and doing his thing. And then they added, like, Kenneth Murray and, you know, so on and so forth. But I – I could see this defense being better, and then Brandon Staley as the coach, who's a defensive-minded coach, is could could bring this defense up and then give Herbert a little more support. I could see them coming down a little bit when it comes to passing just because Eckler will be healthy this year. He wasn't last year. They added a running back in the draft with Roundtree. So we could see a little more emphasis on running the ball. Again, protect your quarterbacks, guys. So we'll see about Herbert. I mean, I I can see him definitely staying hot, and he's just extraordinarily accurate. He's really good under pressure. He has a guy in Keenan Allen who's a phenomenal route runner and is really easy to target because he's open all the time. And mm-hmm. then jump ball guy with Mike Williams – and then we have like our sleeper guy with Josh Palmer that we talked about. That's again another contested yep. catch guy. Jared Cook's a veteran, so there's a lot of people on this offense that could be huge. And so I'd be targeting this offense in all fantasy formats. Uh, just go get these guys. Yeah, they're they're primed to produce, yeah. as we would say. Uh, just because Justin Herbert, he proved it. He proved it last year. And a guy like Keenan Allen, like if that, if that, if you could somehow get him as like your wide receiver too, or something like that, like, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Because he's, he's not the biggest name, you know, you hear the names, like he's, no one ever talks about Keenan Allen. Yeah. And then he just remains like criminally underrated. Yeah. Yeah. And like Eckler can easily be your wide or your running rb1 yeah especially especially if you're running ppr with both of those guys because Mm -hmm. like both of them get crazy volume in the passing game eckler gets like seven receptions a game when he's healthy and keenan allen gets like nine so you're just getting a floor of seven points and nine points with those guys and then the the ceiling is the roof as they would say. Yeah, exactly. What whatever the yards you get on top of that, whatever touchdowns you get on top of that, it's just it's all a plus. Right. Yeah, let's let's talk about another Justin in the league. Uh Justin Fields. He was passed on by the Denver Broncos. Why? They wanted a corner. <laughs> yeah, so their GM I don't know. said in an interview that they feel that elite corners are harder to find than elite quarterbacks. You know how you get a lot of points? Having a good quarterback. So the Broncos named Teddy Bridgewater as their starting quarterback. Uh, I basically kind of broke this down 
into just fantasy implications because Drew Locke was their other option and he is more of like a gunslinger, but he's also more turnover prone. Teddy is a dink and dunk ball control quarterback. His average depth of target is seven yards. Uh, the he only threw 13 passes over 20 yards last season and the yards after catch for his receivers are 5.8 which was like six in the league so teddy bridgewater's looking to get you the ball underneath and let you make a play and so he supported three fantasy relevant receivers last year with dj moore he had 66 receptions 1,200 yards and four touchdowns. Robbie Anderson, 95 receptions, 1,100 yards, three touchdowns. Curtis Samuel, 77 receptions, 850 yards, three touchdowns. They were horrid in the red zone. So that easily could have been more touchdowns for all of them and could have vaulted them even higher. But Teddy Bridgewater can support fantasy-relevant guys. So Judy, Sutton, Noah Fant, those are your guys. And I think Teddy is going to be able to, like, support all of them. But Judy is the guy now. He is your person who's getting open early. He's your route technician. And if he can clean up drops, he could have 100 receptions. And then he could have 1,100 yards. And he could have five touchdowns six touchdowns wherever he decides if if they can be a good red zone offense it could be even better than that i can see fant and sutton being the touchdown guys though so Mm -hmm. but but judy is the guy between the 20s that's going to be getting the lion's share of the receptions on this team i can imagine him being that robbie anderson type that teddy trusted last year so I really like this for Jerry Judy specifically. I agree. I think all three of those guys will be extremely relevant. All guys that I would be comfortable starting. Uh, Cortland Sutton, I would think more of a flex play. But Jerry Judy definitely could be your wide receiver three, wide receiver two, depending on how your league is set up. And as far as Dynasty goes, I'd target all three of these guys. I... I don't know if I'd feel as comfortable as having Teddy as my starting quarterback for an entire year, but he's an extremely safe guy to have as your backup. And like I said earlier, I'm a, I'm, I'm feel bad for Drew Locke. I was a Drew Locke guy for some reason. I, I don't know if it was the Young Jeezy video, <laughs> him jamming on the sidelines, but I like that. Teddy is a game manager and we can finally see these skill players like (laughs) like Drew's gonna make some incredible plays catching like a four yard in (laughs) and then making like six guys miss and be gone so I'm all in on this Broncos offense yeah I I'm also all in I mean even this this also bodes well for Melvin Gordon and Javante even because Mm -hmm. they're going to be playing a ball control offense 
because Drew Locke isn't going to be forcing it downfield. And sure, that may hurt Sutton a little bit because he is your go-up-and-get-it guy, but it's going to benefit pretty much everybody else where Javante and Melvin are going to be the, the runners because Teddy doesn't scramble. And then they have touchdown upside all of a sudden. So I think Teddy was a good choice when it comes to fantasy implications and probably the right choice when it comes to just straight football. I also feel bad for Drew Locke because, like I said, he's only started one preseason game. It doesn't seem like they had much of a developmental plan with him. I mean, he was a third-round pick, so maybe they didn't really have that much faith in him. But John John Elway has always sucked at quarterback. He hasn't sucked at quarterback. <laughs> he sucked at getting a quarterback other than Peyton Manning. Correct. Oh, man. Speaking of quarterbacks, we'll... We'll jump over to the AFC North, who has four pretty interesting quarterbacks. And the one that I would like to start with is Big Ben of the Pittsburgh Steelers. And my biggest question about him is, how much do you think Big Ben has left in the tank? He's running on E. The gas light's on. <laughs> I mean, he had the the UCL tear uh he had to bring it into the shop, get an oil change. <laughs> I mean, it, it's getting, it's getting there. I mean, it's it's time for the Steelers to to go to the lot, maybe hit up Tim, get him on the phone, get get something new because, yeah, this this one this one's gotta be towards the end of its life cycle. I agree, but I. I do think that he's got enough left to still be a top 15 quarterback this year. He finished 13 last year. He's he's two years removed from that elbow surgery that I think he took two games too long to get <laughs> in that 2019 season. Because it, like, it was like, he played the first two games. He was like, yeah, I think something's clicking in there. <laughs> And then finally they took a look at it, and he had, I think it was like three ligaments needed to be reattached in his elbow. But he did that coming off of a career year where he had 675 attempts, 452 completions, a career high 5,129 yards, 34 touchdowns. And he was the QB2 in 2018. And I think last year was him getting back into the flow of football he doesn't ever look like a guy that's in great shape. So, <laughs> so when he's moving around, it's hard to tell how how good he is in shape. But he still supported three wide receivers that were extremely fantasy relevant in Deontay Johnson, Juju, and Chase Claypool. And I, I think he's going to be able to do it again. That offensive line isn't going to be that good again. So, granted, Najee's going to be a better running back than James Conner has and hopefully a healthier option at back. I still think this team's going to need to throw the ball close to 40 times a game just because Big Ben's... You can't afford to have Big Ben take shots. 
you don't want to be trotting out Mason Rudolph or Dwayne Haskins at all. <laughs> That's not the new car and, you want. <laughs> no, 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 not at all. But I, I think Big Ben's going to be able to produce. And if you need a, a late quarterback in a redraft and you have good enough skill positions at the top end of your draft, I'd feel comfortable taking a shot on Big Ben. Big Ben is one of those quarterbacks. He's a risk taker, and that's really nice for fantasy because he's willing to take those shots into the end zone. And like you said, he supported all three of those receivers. And I see a lot of people fading Deontay because of Najee in this offense, and that doesn't make any sense to me. No, and no, he's still the number one option. Yeah, over those other guys on that team. The the player to fade this season, in my opinion, is Chase Claypool because Agreed. he was so good last year because of his touchdowns. He's going to have touchdown regression. There's going to be rushing touchdowns in this offense now. There's going to be more rushing in this offense in general. Granted, it'll lead to more play action, which Big Ben hates to do. And he has a very obvious tell that everybody can see (laughs) where he places a different foot forward when it's a run play literally every time he, if he, if it's a pass in shotgun, his left foot is forward. If it's a run in shotgun, his right foot is forward. You can look it up. It's a real thing. So I don't know if they're going to go to any play action heavy. It would probably benefit them, but in the preseason, there was some under center stuff with Ray Ray McLeod running motion, which Ooh. could be nice if you put Juju in that position or keep Ray Ray there. Either way, you get kind of that motion in the offense could create a lot more openings, get kind of a more modern offensive approach rather than last year's kind of dink and dunk where you're getting it out quick. I mean, that was really nice for Deontay Johnson PPR owners where he was getting, like, 15 receptions. I loved it. And so he would turn out, like, 30 fantasy points on, like, 50 yards. But, mm-hmm. yeah, I I could definitely see Big Ben doing enough to stay – to keep the Steelers relevant this season. But – I I don't know how much he has after this. I'd assume this this is probably the last one for for Ben. Um, but he does look healthier this year. He said he changed his diet, changed his r- workout routines, all that stuff. Classic. Yeah, best shape of his life. Uh, yep. He said he would not eat <laughs> avocado ice cream though. He, he's not Tom Brady. Don't get it twisted. He's still unhealthy, but not as unhealthy. Oh, man. See, I can't do these transitions like you do off the top. You you set them up too good. So I'm just going to keep moving along. And the next team I got is the Ravens. And I'm just thinking, what is this team missing on offense that can add a new wrinkle? And... I think they need some sort of elite option at wide receiver. 
they haven't had one in the last four years, or maybe even beyond. <laughs> I could only find stuff, fantasy stuff back to four years. But they didn't have a wide receiver finish above wide receiver 30. Marquise Brown, the last two years, was their top-rated wide receiver. 2018, it was John Brown, who was a wide receiver 37 in standard, 45 in PPR. And in 2017, it was Mike Wallace, who was a wide receiver 38 in standard and 38 in PPR. Uh, Marquise Brown led them with 190 receiving or fantasy points last year at receiver. Um, that was even ahead of Mark Andrews. But do you see either of these guys, Rashad Bateman, Tylen Wallace, Sammy Watkins? Like, do you see any of these guys being able to impact that receiving core from a wide receiver standpoint? Standpoint in a way that you could get a new look in this offense that could help them, say, in the playoffs. You know where Lamar's kind of got figured out the last few years. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, I don't think Sammy Watkins will be around in the playoffs <laughs> just based on his history. <laughs> that was a cheap shot. <laughs> Apologies to Mr. Watkins. Uh, get him in your DFS lineup week one. Anyway. Uh, I think Bateman is probably the receiver that you want to have. Unfortunately, he had the groin injury. It's hard to run routes when your groin hurts. It's hard to be a wide receiver if you can't run routes. So hopefully they take a conservative approach with him and he can kind of sit the first, like, maybe three weeks, let that really heal up and – not rush back into it because I think he's the alpha receiver in this group. Sammy Watkins is extraordinarily talented and he is, he could be the guy because apparently him and Lamar have a rapport and he's one of the best players at camp every year. He's really good week one every year. And you, you just always have that looming injury history that hamstring, that hip, that shoulder, just whatever it is, it's always something with Sammy Watkins. So, unfortunately, Bateman's already been nipped by the bug where he's got the groin injury. I don't see Tylen Wallace being, like, a big producer. I imagine him more as, like, Duvernay was last year where he's getting kind of spot production. He's getting special teams work. Mm -hmm. And so I... I want Bateman out of anybody, but unfortunately he's not going to play for a little while, so redraft it's a little different. But if you're going to target a guy, it's going to be Bateman or Mark Andrews, in my opinion. So you're out on Marquise Brown? I am so out on Marquise Brown. I've I've seen enough. I Okay. There's one undersized receiver I've ever liked, and it's Devontae Smith. Okay? I, okay. I, I don't want Hollywood. I, I just can't stand a boom-bust guy. I, I'm all the way out. Give me a floor of receptions. Get me away from Hollywood Brown. 
I think it's tough just even like thinking what even if they did have this wide receiver that is producing like that oh where does it fit into this offense type of thing is is Mark Andrews literally dropping way down to like a tight end 15 range tight end 12 range type of thing or is he still going to be a top 10 tight end I don't I don't see them throwing the ball enough to be able to sustain two pass catchers at a high level. Just the way that they run the ball so much. I mean, you would have to see Lamar hitting that 30 touchdown mark passing again in a season. So it's difficult for me to see what this Ravens offense could do differently. Even if they did have that talent at receiver. Uh, But... I agree that Sean Bateman is the most interesting and intriguing option out of this whole sham of players. Moving away from a Brown that we don't like, let's talk about a Brown that we might like. Do you think the Browns are Super Bowl contenders? No. No? I I don't trust Baker enough to make the throws that can win a Super Bowl. I would still put this team in that tier. I, I like this team top three in the AFC, just behind the Chiefs and the Bills. I like them ahead of the Titans. I like them ahead of both the Ravens and the Steelers. I think this team is good at every single position. Every single offensive skill position, they have two guys obviously outside of quarterback, that are incredibly talented between Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt, Juice, OBJ, their tight ends, Austin Hooper, David Njoku, Harrison Bryant even. Their offensive line is really good. And then on the defense side of the ball, drafting a guy like JOK, they bring in John Johnson, I mean, you've got reinforcement now in the middle of the defense with Anthony Walker. Your front line is good enough. I think that this entire team is constructed extremely well, but I think they need to take that one playoff lump like the Bills took last year, losing to the Chiefs. Do you not think that the Browns losing to the Chiefs last year is is enough of playoff scars? I, I think it's got to have more... It's got to be like the AFC Championship game going down in that sort of game. It can't be like a, a second-round loss. You know, I think it's got to be a game with higher stakes that they are in, but they couldn't get over the hump type of thing yeah because that's the sort of playoff scar that like gets you to that upper echelon and they also i feel like they have to be like the the favorite in that game where people aren't looking at them as like this underdog story like they've been looking at the browns where now they have like real expectations it's like okay this team can dominate the line of scrimmage they have a serviceable quarterback. They have impressive skill positions. 
they're deep at basically every position. Now you got to do something. You you got to prove that you're worth the hype because they haven't done that yet. They had a nice playoff run last year. They beat the Steelers and then they went down to the wire with the Chiefs were like two yards away from being able to have an opportunity to win that game. So they have a top five running back in Nick Chubb. If Odell can come back to form, they have one of the more impressive wide receiver cores in the league with just Jarvis and Odell alone. Mm -hmm. And then you have a top five pass rusher in Miles Garrett and John Johnson and Denzel Ward and they just drafted Greg Newsome. I mean, they they have an opportunity to be a really dangerous team. So I I don't see them as a Super Bowl contender this season just because of Baker's ceiling, like I said before, but I'd say they're in like the half tier below that rather than being like in the second tier of teams. I just think that they are a like some experience away and Baker kind of proving that he's got it to move up to that top tier. Yeah, I like that. I like that. The the experience away factor. Right. Yeah, I th- I think that is the biggest thing. Well, moving on to our last team that needs a lot of experience to finally see a little success is the Cincinnati Bengals. And the more that you hear about this team, the more I feel like this offense could implode and just start spiraling. You've got Joe Mixon coming off the injury last year. Uh, we don't know how much confidence Joe Burrow has in his knee. You've got whatever's going on now with Jamar Chase outside of football. He still has got a case of the dropsies. You, then you like you don't know how well this old line's gonna look. Are you concerned at all about this offense? Absolutely. I don't know how you can see like all the beat stories that are coming out of Cincinnati and you aren't concerned because like you said, Joe Burrow is still, he's like lifting his leg to avoid contact because he's worried about the knee, which totally understandable, extraordinarily traumatic injury, but it's worrisome for the team. And then Jamar Chase there's there was that post that you referred to that came out where mm-hmm. it was like, is he like fighting his girlfriend? And then also he's not performing very well on the football field. And that's their guy that they picked instead of picking somebody to protect Joe Burrow. And it's yes, I'm I'm worried. I hope Joe stays healthy. Burrow and Mixon. <laughs> I hope both the Joes stay healthy. But I just, I don't know if I'm comfortable targeting anyone outside of Joe Mixon in a redraft 
perspective from everything that's being heard coming from this team. I mean, you definitely don't want to touch the defense. And Joe Mixon seems to get hyped up going into every, every single year. year. Can we please stop doing the it's Joe just, Mixon thing? Please. It's just, he was another guy. My guys were Joe Mixon, Josh Jacobs, and Kenya Drake going into last year. <laughs> I got rid of all of them. <laughs> the time the year was done. I had Joe Mixon for it's... two weeks, and one of the weeks he had 40, and I uh, traded him. <laughs> oh, my God. Okay, okay. Yeah. Let's, it's just... let's just not do the Joe Mixon thing ever again. Okay, great. He had a good season. Congratulations, Joe Mixon. He hasn't been healthy since. Let's treat him like every other player... That is never healthy, okay? Sammy Watkins at running back <laughs> is not going to be an RB1. It's not going to happen, okay? Joe Mixon is done being a hot commodity in Dynasty, and he's done being a top three round running back in redraft, okay? Fade Joe Mixon. Fade Joe Mixon. He's much more like an uncle at this point than he is a football player. Uncle Joe, baby. But anyways, that's that's all I got on the Bengals. There's not much else. I mean, Joe Burrow, backup quarterback, not someone that I'd feel comfortable drafting as my starter in redraft. Uh, T. Higgins... Jamar Chase, Ty Boyd, I mean, maybe as a flex receiver starter or bench depth. Other than that, I, I, I like T. Higgins. T. Higgins is the guy in the offense that I'm comfortable drafting. Ty Boyd at his ADP is a little high for me, but if you can get him later than that, go for it. But Chase, I, I'm confident that he'll be okay because usually drops are a mental thing. I don't think the drops will be a big issue because I think he just needs to be more confident in himself, and that'll come with just playing football because, I mean, he was off of football, you can't say it enough, for like 16 months. So obviously he's going to be hearing footsteps when NFL safeties are bearing down on him when the last football he played was the national championship at LSU. Now yeah. now he's playing NFL players. He's running a slant over the middle. He's seeing a linebacker in front of him that's like 6'4", 260. And then he's got a safety that's coming down that's job is to like knock people's heads off. So I understand Jamar's struggles. I, I'm sure he'll be better. He'll get better. If If anybody's selling Jamar Chase already, I would be buying Jamar Chase. Yeah, that's very safe to say i mean you can't declare a guy a bust in the preseason i remember when trey young was a rookie his vegas summer league was atrocious and everyone was out on trey young and now look at him last year everybody loves him as like the villain in the nba playoffs so until you see a guy play a snap that counts you can't declare a guy a bust absolutely you know, 
I, I'm just going to flow right into my heat check because I'm going to declare a guy a bust before oh, he plays a meaningful but... snap. <laughs> is, it, is it Isaiah Simmons? Come on. <laughs> sorry, sorry. It's Kadarius Tony. <laughs> what? Giant. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's fair. So the Giants are garbage. Their quarterback is trash. And their free agency was misguided. They Kenny Galladay's already hurt. Yeah, so shocker. Who could have predicted Kenny Galladay would get hurt? They drafted Kadarius Toney. Uh, the one good thing they're doing is easing Saquon back in. Daniel Jones has thrown some of the worst passes <laughs> I've seen in joint training camp practices. He's just throwing it to linebackers. Like, like they're playing catch. I mean, Kenny Galladay's hurt. Kadarius Tony has Kadarius Tony practiced? I mean, I'll, I'll guess your guess is as good as mine. So, Tony, I didn't like coming out of school, but hey, it's only getting worse. I haven't heard one good thing about him. You hear all the hype from all these guys because everybody wants to gas up. Oh, I did such a good job drafting this player. You don't hear any of that out of New York. <laughs> Elijah Moore out of, on the other side of the river. I guess they play in the same stadium, so that they're they're on the same side of the river. I was thinking New York and New Jersey with with the Jets and the Giants, but Jets. they play in the same stadium now. So they should just do it. New Jersey Jets. Yeah, it sounds better. Flows better. But you, you see Elijah Moore, and it's just like every thing that the Jets post is an Elijah Moore highlight. And you see the Eagles, it's all Jalen Rager and Devontae Smith. And the Dolphins, you see Jalen Waddle making plays. And it's like, oh, oh yeah, Kadarius Tony's on the Giants. Who knew? Because I, I would have forgot. So I, the Giants are in my short list of teams that are, are going to be not the Lions or, or the Texans, but outside of them, the worst in the league. I'd take the Lions over them. <laughs> Amon Ra, baby. I, just love, I love Amon Ra so much. <laughs> I am just so invested in him. But, yeah, I, I agree. I don't – Giants. I don't know how this team won two Super Bowls. <laughs> Not that especially long ago. Against, especially against Tom Brady. Well, the, the thing mean, is, they, they had decent players back then. <laughs> and now they just, like, overspend on, like, awful, like, value. They get they don't get value because Kadarius Tony was not a value at his pick. Kenny no. Galladay is not a value at his contract. No. Saquon wasn't a value at second overall. Like they are just over spending, over drafting to try to like outsmart the system. But guess what? You guys suck. I think Daniel Jones is arguably the worst quarterback in the league. I don't, just, he's got the the second worst play of all time by the butt fumble of Mark Sanchez with his just. At least he got like seventy yards on that play. Bro, 
He's just running full speed. They kicked a field goal on that drive. You're right. <laughs> I mean, he looks back. <laughs> it just turns. It is just eating shit. Okay. You know what every good runner does on a long run? They look at the jumbotron to see if somebody's following them. Don't look behind just you. Just focus on the end zone. Yeah. Just look where you're running. Man. So yeah, my heat check is the the Giants will be the third worst team in the NFL this year, behind the Texans. You know what? They'll be the second worst team in the league behind the Texans. I'll take the Lions over them. I like that. Um. My heat check is this unnecessary need to add tiers to PPR. We discussed this, and if oh. <laughs> if you're so like against a guy catching, making a catch for no gain, that that shouldn't be worth a point. You, maybe you should just play standard. It's completely unnecessary to have, like, a catch that goes for 0 to 10 yards to be .2. And then just increment it, you know, down the field. Guys are very seldom making, like, a 50-yard reception. You sh- Just because a guy's getting extra yards doesn't mean he should be rewarded with a full point of catch. And just because a guy's catching it at the, like, if you're at the one-yard line and you catch a touchdown, it's less than a one-yard catch. So you'd only be getting rewarded point two. So, like, it's he's still catching the ball. What's what's a far catch compared to a close catch? The, the catch could be extremely difficult. Coach, close, you could be streaking down the sideline because DB fell down and all you have to do is put your arms out and the ball's landing right in the breadbasket. That's not a hard catch. That's not a contested catch. It's completely unnecessary. And you just just complicating things. Make keep fantasy easy, simple, based off of statistics that count. Like you're already giving the player yards for making that catch. You don't need to change the degree of the catch just to get even more technical with it i think it's unnecessary and if you're that petty or against ppr just don't play it play half point ppr play standard it's not necessary yeah i saw this as an option and i was i was like "Ooh, that's that's interesting and then i i thought it's about it some more after we had a, a short conversation about it and i was like you know what that doesn't really like why do you why do you need to have that Be, no. because all right so i think the ideal is probably 0.75 ppr but let me let me just let me just all right hold on hold on like, why hold up. why Look, first of all it's consistent like you said it's simple there's 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 <laughs> nothing 0.75 is not that simple i mean it's what's the difference between point seven five and one? I mean, you're getting the same amount every catch, no matter what. You're consistent, all right. It it bridges <laughs> the point just do point five. It, it bridges the gap between point five and one because point five favors running backs too much, and one 
favors wide receivers too much. So that .75 meets you in the middle. It evens the playing field, and there's there's not that much positional advantage. All right, I I agree that the tiered reception markers don't make a lot of sense, but I think .75 could make everybody happy if you have an open mind. <laughs> if anybody's out there looking to join a .75 PPR draft league. We'll be uh, taking applications. Anyways, that's what I got for my heat check. That's what I got for the AFC. And I think that's all we've got for tonight. Yeah, and we thank you for joining us on another episode of the Firestarters podcast. We will see you next week. Bye-bye.